everybody. My name is Steve Bazelon, and welcome uh, to the first ever episode of Terribly Funny. It's a podcast where funny people talk about truly terrible things that have happened in their lives. Um, you see how we got to that name. Funny people, terrible things, not great titles. Anyways, I know what you're thinking. Yay, another podcast. Hooray, there aren't enough of these uh, dumb things. And you're, you're probably right. But... Uh, I wanted to do this uh, little project because A, I felt left out, and B, uh, I'm, I'm a comedy writer, have written comedy for the better part of a decade, uh, and I've had some, um, for lack of a better word, uh, really shitty shit happen in my life. Like when I was 23, I was diagnosed with a chronic disease that would render me sick for the next decade, uh, culminating in me spending uh, about six months in the hospital and having my colon removed. So that was fun. But, you know, through all that uh, nonsense, I had this amazing woman by my side. And as soon as I got healthy, we got married. And that was great. Until six months later, um, when both of us discovered that she was gay. <laughs> so that's cool. And then my mom was diagnosed with stage four cancer. My grandmother died. I got divorced, became a tabloid sensation. And, um, and then my mom died. So what I'm saying is it, it's a, lot of, a lot of shit has happened to me. And while it was you know, ultimately all very tumultuous and terrible, uh, it was also rife with all these moments that were, you know, incredibly vulnerable and sweet and earnest and, and, and funny. Uh, so that's why I'm doing this, because I feel like so often um, funny folks just put on a real uh, 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 um, harsh exterior. You never get to the real stuff that really makes them funny, perhaps. Um, so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk to a bunch of my funny friends, you know, be it writers, comics, actors, directors, musicians, whatever. And we're going to talk about something uh, terrible that has happened to them. And an event that was, well, that was purely total garbage at the moment, but ultimately made their lives uh, a little richer and made them funnier. Or at least made them laugh. And if it doesn't, if that, if it doesn't make you laugh, then I'll add some fart sound effects, I guess. Um, anyways, my first guest is he's he's hands down one of the best guys I know Dan Levy he's uh he's a hilarious comic he's done he's well he's done a ton of shit he's been on at midnight he hosts a bunch of his own shows you've seen Comedy Central uh, specials he's written for Whitney and Mulaney he's got a show called Baby Talk where he exploits his children and it's delightful um and uh, he also he also happens to be one of my very oldest and best friends uh and that's it so i hope you love this in not love that's setting the bar way too high what are you doing steve don't do that that's crazy i hope you enjoy i hope you just don't hate this podcast and uh that's about it so terribly funny let's do this shit But the reason I wanted to do this is like, okay, so like I was, I was like, I was, I was sick for a long time. Like I had this chronic disease, had to get my colon removed. And like when I was at my absolute sickest, I weighed like 94 pounds. Yeah. So it's like 55 pounds lighter than I am now. Uh, now you look great, by the way. Thank you. I feel great. Thank People you. People can't see what he looks like that's, right now. That's what I was fishing a, for. He's got a nice t-shirt he's on. He's got some nice tees. It's a brand his new hair, tee. His thank hair's you for, looking great. Thank you for noticing all that. Come on. Um, so, but like, like, you know, I felt like terrible all the time and had my, you know, I had the surgery, like this three parts of surgery. And uh, one day, like I was like shuffling to the bathroom uh, and I had this, I had my I had an ostomy bag for like three months, which is terrible. I don't recommend it. It's an I remember awful seeing that you had that on Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty terrible. It's real gross. Yeah, 
<laughs> but like, I remember like shuffling to the bathroom once after like I'd taken a bath or something and like caught a glimpse of myself in the mirror and I looked like a fucking Holocaust victim. But my dick looked huge. <laughs> Because, like, my thighs were, like, the, basically the size of my dick. They were so small. I was like, this is the best thing that could have come out of this. Thank you. I'm 93 pounds, but my dick looks enormous. Thank you, disease and surgery. Yes, I got a exactly. big fucking cock. So, like... Did I, you take a picture of it? Probably. Somewhere. It's, I, who knows? Yeah, yeah. We'll put that up on, like, the Tumblr. We're going to start a Tumblr, I think. Who knows? Why not? Anyways. Um, so, just want to, like, have a thing where uh, funny people can talk about truly terrible shit. And Dan is here to talk about that. And I thought it'd be a great first guest because... He's a, a kind of a perpetual optimist. Uh, he's always like the, the nicest, the sweetest. And uh, actually when bad things like kind of happen to other people, like you're always optimistic, but I kind of feel like you don't know what to do with it because like, <laughs> like well, but good things, good things. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I try, well, because I don't, I don't like adding fuel to the fire. Like if something's really shitty... Yeah, I don't want to make someone feel worse. No, that's a good that's a good plan. <laughs> yeah, because like it's easy to be like, oh well, you know, this is probably not going to work out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That person that you love is probably going to die. <laughs> yeah, that's not like, something you want to say. No, you don't. You don't want. You don't want to say no, that. That's good. I mean, I remember. I do remember thinking though, when you were so sick, that like I knew that eventually you would be fine. Like, sure. w- like I know it sounds weird, but I knew like you know it's kind of like you know we were talking about the real estate market, but it's kind of like when. <laughs> There's a like a really shitty house, right? Yep. And you drive by it every single day, and then you start seeing like trucks coming on, and then you start seeing like contractors and electricians, and like you drive by the same house like every day for like nine months, and it goes from like the shittiest thing to like some like beautiful house. And I always think of that like with weird surgery, like all you gotta do is just like go to sleep, have them fix you, go to physical therapy, take a bunch of Vicodin, yeah. feel better, and then like in a year you should be fine. And no, I kept but- and I kept saying that to you, yeah. and I really did think that was gonna happen because I was like, you're so young. You know, you you know, you were in such good shape. Like I know that you could like get through this, but it definitely did not seem that way at certain times. Yeah, just acknowledgement of the fact, like, oh, this is going to be shitty right now. Yeah, but yeah. Not, it's not always going to be shitty. Eventually, yeah. my I'm going to be the house that's flipped, and I'm going to be worth way more, <laughs> worth way more money. That Burbank Hospital flipped that Glendale Hospital. Glendale, great place flipped, to spend. Flipped that body. Yeah, I'm worth so much more money now. That might have been the worst part of your whole situation that you that had, I had to spend that much time in Glendale. You were in Glendale yeah. so much. <laughs> Nobody wants to spend time there. That was really bad uh so tell us about a, a terrible thing bring us down dan i'll bring you down well, i guess i could talk about a time when people when the roles were reversed where people were trying to make me feel better right which is a weird thing it's a weird thing where people were sort of like because no, that's that's the place you usually talk about. i like i like being in i like being the place where I'm like hey that's okay uh-huh. i feel like i like do a lot of pumping up sure you know yeah um and then so so basically i guess it was like through almost uh, I think three years ago, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I remember I was like talking to um, my mom. I talked to my mom all the time, you know. So sure. I was talking to her, and she was You're like, "You're a good son. I'm a good son. We get it." And she was like, uh, "I'm like, what are you doing?" She's like, "I'm going to meditate." And I was like, "That's weird," just because like my mom is like, you know, Jewish New York. Like she's not a meditator. She's not really a meditator. And I uh-huh. literally remember being like, "How bored are you that you're meditating?" <laughs> And she was you like, should, "You should get another hobby." Yeah, I was like, "Maybe you should," because she was doing photography at the time. I was like, "Maybe just take pictures." Like, "Why are you gonna meditate?" Whatever. And she was like, "I just gotta meditate." And I was like, "All right." And then, um, I, then, then I remember, like, you know, a few weeks later, I was like, talking to her, and I was like driving into work, and mm-hmm. I remember I like called her because I would always call her like on my way to work, even yeah. though my drive was like two minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's the time you make your phone call. Yeah, so I would call her, I was like, how's it going? And she was like, well, not 
not great. And I was like, oh, which is because she doesn't say it because she's like pretty much like yeah, she's, optimistic. Like she's a too. you. Yeah. And she was like, oh, not great. Like, I think I have like a little met. I have like a little medical. I will. She was said I have a little medical procedure. And I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, well, you know, they I got like a mammogram and like it looks like that they found something. And I was like, I was like, oh, but like you're going to be fine. She was like, yeah, yeah, I just have like a medical like procedure. And I was like, what? What so is like really dancing around it? Yeah, and then she was like, finally, she was like, I have, I have, I have breast cancer, and I need to tell you. And I was like, how long? And then I, of course, like start like you know crying. Yeah. In my car, like freaking out, like oh my god, what's what does this mean? Like I just never. That's like a big bomb to get dropped on you before you have to go write jokes for Whitney. <laughs> exactly. You're not really in the zone, even though I do feel like like. Like Whitney Cummings is probably like the best crisis supervisor of all time. Sure, because <laughs> she likes to be, you know, she's she's good at that. But I didn't say anything for at first. I was just sort of like to anyone because I was just like freaking like I couldn't believe because you just don't think that you know you never think that it's gonna happen like to to you or someone you love or your mom. You're sort of like I just didn't think that it would be like part of my life like my mom has breast cancer yeah well there's like a point where like you you grow up and you're a kid and you feel like you're immune to shit and that yeah. kind of stays with you until that first fuck you punch in the face happens in your life yeah and it was you know it, and and you know like I don't also the only my grandparents have all died but I wasn't really close with them right. so I haven't really had any like close family members like have like a disease like a cancer so mm-hmm. When she first told me, I was like, we was like crying, and then she just was sort of like basically beating around the bush for like a while until she actually was like, then told my brother, and then then basically it's been going on for so long, like she had all these tests and all these like second opinions and all this stuff, and then she basically had breast cancer and she's gonna have surgery to remove the cancer. Um, Were you mad about that? The fact that she was protecting you, or did you understand that? No, I was mad. I wish she, I wish we knew the whole time because I would have like flown home and like gone to like tests or whatever, you know. Like I didn't like. But my family is like, like, they're like, there's like lots, even though they love talking, I feel like my family in general has like tons of secrets. Like I remember sure. finding out things and I'm like, what? But they just like don't, I guess all families do. Yeah. That's just the way families are. That's, that's a family thing. Yeah. It's like my family thing is like, okay, we're going to keep secrets and we're not going to go on a vacation. <laughs> but, but I feel like it was, I was really annoyed that my, my brother was so upset and we were both like, why didn't you tell us? And they, yeah, she just didn't want to tell us until she was 100% sure. What, not only that she had cancer, but how she was going to handle it. Yeah. Well, that's like a, that's a weird thing because like you're feeling these feelings of like you're angry, like why the fuck didn't you tell me? But also you have this terrible thing happening, so I don't want to keep on to that. Yeah. And then, you know, she knew we were going to be so upset, so she wanted to sort of like let us know. It was literally like I'm having the surgery in two weeks. Oh, boy. So... It was like, what? So then I like had, I, it was so fast. Like I remember I had to, then I had like, and then the hardest part I think was like telling other people. Right. You know, that like, you know, you could say your mom was breast cancer, your mom was cancer. It's like such a weird thing to come out of your mouth. And then I yeah. remember told Rachel, I started crying. Then I told you, I told, you know, my friend Danielle. I was like, it was just, then I had to tell people at work that, you know, what I was, you know, leaving for. And it was just really, uh really intense but the we- the weirdest thing about it on like a lighter note being positive was that someone who was working on Whitney's show at the time mm-hmm. was Linda Wallum who was married engaged to Melissa Etheridge who's like Miss Breast Cancer yeah Miss Breast Cancer so literally she was like I'm 
Melissa should call your mom. And I, I remember like, what? Wait, Melissa Etheridge is going to call Etheridge your mom? Melissa is going to call my mom. And I was like, well, I mean, that's really nice. I don't know what she's going to do with that. But then I was like, then I started like calling my mom like five times a day being like, are you okay? Like as she was like preparing for surgery. And I was like, hey, just so you know, like, I think Melissa Etheridge wants to call you. What? And what did your mom say? Was she like, she was like, I'll talk to Melissa Etheridge. Like she like, then she was sort of like making it like, oh, this is a good thing now. Now I can like tell my friends, like I'm going to like have a celebrity call me. So then she was sort of like embraced breast cancer. Cause she also thinks she didn't want to like, she literally, and still to this day, like she like had cancer. She said she had cancer. She had surgery. She went through chemo, radiation, and she doesn't have cancer anymore. And it's not even like, she doesn't like, she doesn't wear a ribbon. No. Weirdly. She like is sort of like, it's out of my body. I don't want to talk about it again. Yeah, I get you know, that. I get that instinct. Like, once something, like, terrible happens, like, you process it in your own way. And some people do that by, like, remi- remem- reminding themselves of what they went through. And other people are just like, fuck it. It's behind me. I'm done with it. Yeah, and I... It's I, like taking, like, the SATs. Like, yeah. I don't need to study, like, analogies anymore. I'm done. Yeah, and I feel... I, I, I kind of totally get that. Like, at first I was like, why don't you want to, like... I, I asked her, like, how are you feeling? Like, you know, do you feel like you're... You know, do you appreciate your life so much more? All that kind of stuff. And she was like... I'm just over. I'm like moving forward. And, I was yeah. like, and okay. now I'm friends with Melissa. Ethridge. Yeah. So what so, happened? Like so Melissa, Ethridge, so my mom, she was getting her nails done, and she told her friends like I might have to leave in the middle because Melissa Ethridge is gonna call me. <laughs> and then she did, and she just called her. She's like, Hey, Linda, it's Melissa. Um, just want to come to your window, girl. Yeah, just want to come to your window. Just want to say like she basically just called my mom to say how much her fiance like loved me and said thought I was so uh-huh. nice and great. So that's really all it was. Was Melissa Ethridge basically calling my mom. Saying nice things about me, and that was made my mom feel so good. That's so, good. That's all she really like needed. I mean, she was told. I think Melissa Heather was like, "I don't believe in chemo. I don't believe in medicine." And mom was like, "Okay, okay. well, I need to get this cancer out of my body." <laughs> but thank she you so much. In chemo or medicine? No, I think she stopped chemo like in the middle because she was like, you know, she's like take smoothies every day. She's like, you know, oh yeah, smoothies. Yeah, she's like smoothies uh, are good for cancer. I had Melissa Heather's. I think she had. I don't know what stage Melissa Etheridge's cancer right. was, but she got like the piece removed, and then she stopped chemo in the middle, and she's been fine. Well, good for Melissa. Good for Melissa. But my mom's, you know, she wants medicine to fix yeah. her. So, but then it was like real nice, and then they sort of like were very like stayed in touch with my mom, and like my mom came out like during like you know right when she finished chemo, she like came out to L.A. and stayed in like Malibu place, and uh-huh. and like um, I was working, but I was like, mom, I think Melissa wants to visit you. In Malibu. Melissa Etheridge is fucking great. I know. She's the best person ever. I mean, the nicest person ever. Like, I did not even, like, I was working for, like, a week when I found this out. Like, you know, That's as far crazy. as, like. crazy. So I didn't even know. I mean. Melissa Etheridge went so far out of your way for, yeah, for and, Linda leaving. Yeah, and thanks to Linda Wallen, who's, like, the nicest person. But it was just, like, it just was, they were so nice. And then they went, and my mom was, like, they all of her friends were all, like, that. Like we did this, like, little retreat for my mom, whatever. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, you were there. And then. My mom, I call my mom, like, hey, Melissa Etheridge wants to come over with a crystal. <laughs> so Melissa Etheridge came to see my mom and, like, all of her four, like, you know, very Jewish Brooklyn friends sat in a house in Malibu and Melissa Etheridge <laughs> made them carry a crystal and they each held the crystal and talked about their feelings and whatever. And it was, like, this, like, crazy time for all of them. And they just couldn't believe it. It's like, here they are, all these people in suburban Connecticut who are now sitting next to Melissa Etheridge who is just like, you know. And then, the best thing that, you know, to keep talking about Melissa Etheridge, I... No, yeah, yeah, no, I get it. It's kind of crazy. You're a big fan. But then what she did when my mom was like in the middle of like chemo and was like so tired and weak and everything, like Melissa Etheridge did a private show in New York. Not a private show, but like a very small show. And 
they were like, you should, your mom should come. And I was like, you should go. And my mom was like, I don't want to go. And then my dad like made her go and they had like the best, they had like the best time ever. Yeah. So they rocked out to Melissa Etheridge, you know, she played her breast cancer anthem. What is the breast cancer? I don't know. I don't know. You know the song is. it's I run for you. I, okay. I run for her. I run for her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know, but I'll look into it. It's good. It's a good song. Okay, great. So that was so, so that was really um, finding out that news was really terrible, and then but the worst part about it, as I'm sure like you know, all of your loved ones know, like the worst part about it was when she was in surgery. Sure. Because it was really like my dad and my brother, and we were just like waiting, and it was like seven hours of surgery. Yeah. And I, and it was so horrible we just were like all by ourselves the one thing we did is we had um we had sent my friend you know brian sent us i was like Can you just send like a bunch of like comedy cds like specials yeah just because like you know we could just like watch specials and like laugh and like they just finished um the bill burr special uh-huh. and he was like hey check out the bill burr special it's not even on yet and we like watched it and i remember like watching that and me and my dad and brother like laughing so hard and it was like part of it we were like so like emotional and like just like out of our mind a little just bit just like all your nerves are exposed so you're either gonna cry or laugh or and like we were just asleep. like screaming laughing like it was like the, and it was like you know Bill Burr's talking about how like Arnold Schwarzenegger is the greatest man in the world and like he's talking you know all this really like massages like hilarious stuff uh-huh. but just like you know the Tiger Woods I remember like the Tiger Woods punchline about like how like you know I don't know the exact joke but the idea that he can't believe that Tiger Woods had to pay his ex-wife, like, any money. He's like, <laughs> she was a fucking nanny. <laughs> that's, that's his line. But anyways, we were just, like, laughing so hard. It was, just, like, a great time. Because that's the one thing about, like, really terrible times is that you get really close with people, you know? And I feel like you have the most, like, real conversations I've ever had with my parents and, you know, my brother and stuff, like, during those moments of, like, when you're just, like, well, you're yeah. like, you're so exhausted yeah. that like, you're so worn down and so vulnerable. So you yeah. like cut through like all like the small talk and just like, it's kind of like a little bit like being like on an ambient, like you're just like, you're so exhausted, like anything is just going to come out of your mouth at any yeah. point in time. Well, it was, it was real, the waiting and waiting was terrible. And then my dad, you know, my dad's not, like, my mom is in charge of stuff. So like I was, you know, like my, like your, like your relationship, like my relationship, but my dad, like, you know, didn't think like he just thought that they were going to call us you know mm-hmm. like when were you waiting at over, the hospital we went back home because we were there for like a couple hours and it was right. so long that we went back home to sort of like kill time and then um that's weird though isn't that weird to feel like we should just stay here but there's nothing you can nothing do, you do there it's just like depressing and sad so yeah. we just like left and went home and like would eat and sort of like i remember like taking a shower and just crying you yeah. know and then crying in the shower is a weird experience it is i feel like it's like a. It's kind know. of like eating while shitting. It's like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, there's moisture coming out of at all angles. Yeah. It's just like counterintuitive to what's happening. When you happening. cry in the shower, you literally are like, am I really crying in the shower? Yeah. Like, you don't even think that people, you're doing, doing, do that. No, like, I should be like in like a freshman year, like film project. Right <laughs> yeah, now. it sounds like an Emerson independent FBS. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Emerson. Yeah, no big deal. Um, so that was, so then we were like waiting, waiting, and I was like, this is crazy. And then my, my mom's friend Melody called and was like, did you guys hear anything yet? And we're like, but I was like, no. And then we were like, she was like, we'll call the doctor. So he's like, oh, okay. So we called the doctor. And they're like, oh, yeah, she's like out. We're like, okay, dad. <laughs> so we like went. But then they found out that they like, you know, there was, it, the cancer definitely spread. So it went to like, it was definitely like a, a larger cancer mm-hmm. situation than they, because she thought she was going to have the surgery and then not new chemo and sort of move on with life. But then 
they basically were like, we're gonna need chemo. Yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah, because so you then, find out you have to get the surgery, and then you have to go like, this isn't the this isn't the end. You have yeah. so many more steps. So to remember, go. she like woke up, and then they were like, it's your, the doctor was like, you have to have chemo, and then she was like, oh. and then she like went back to sleep. So then that was really bad. Release was over, but then the next morning, we went. You know, my dad got coffee, and this was like one of the craziest moments of my life. Was we went to get see my mom was sort of walking to her hospital room, and she wasn't in it. And the bed was made. Oh, that's weird. That's that's real unsettling. And I remember, like, my stomach, like, dropped. And, like, I dropped my coffee. And then the nurse looked at me and she was like, I'm so sorry. And I was like, what, what the fuck happened? And I was like, what, what? And then they were like, there was a complication last night. And, like, basically my mom had, like, a panic attack, like, but during... But don't just start off no, by I saying, know. I'm so sorry. What the fuck, so nurse? It, so we were like, what the fuck? And then it was like... Fuck, like, what the fuck? And then we went down to, like, you know, the, I don't know, intensive care. I don't even, I don't know all the units. Right. But it was, it, it was not intensive care, but it was, like, a bad one. <laughs> and she okay. was, like, covered in tubes. Semi-intensive. And, and she, like, looked at me, she's like, can you believe this? And I was like, what happened? And basically she had, like, a full-on, like, you know, like, her yeah. heart, she was, like, Her body out. went through a trauma. Your body went through a trauma and her, she was fucking freaked out. And then they thought it was a problem with her heart. So then, you know, any sort of things like that, then they brought her to, like, whatever, the heart unit. I don't know any of this. I'm not a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> so then, it's, no, I, you, I would think you are a doctor. That'd be good if that was one of my secrets. Um, <laughs> That's one of your family secrets? <laughs> family secrets. We're all doctors. We're all doctors. <laughs> so then, and then basically, and then it was just, like, bad. Then And then it kept on, you know, complications. Then, then that was complication. Then she needed blood transfusion. Then they thought that it was, like, the operation was, like, not successful because they needed enough blood and the whatever. I didn't even know what was going on. Right, I knew right. that I kept them being bad. So I kept them trying to like be, we were like doing sort of a, we were just basically like, the joke was that I kept calling the doctor. I did that for you too. I called the doctor, but I kept calling the doctor, her doctor. And yeah. I was like, he's, you know, this microsurgeon. He needs to be available. Like I gotta find out what the fuck's going was on. Was that that that's what like you feel like the joke is? I'm gonna keep calling the doctor. No, no, no. The joke. No. The joke. Like when I was sick, Dan would call the doctor over everything. Well, no. The joke was that I was constantly calling the doctor. Yeah. Okay. For like no reason. Because it was, was a ridiculous thing. Like I was breaking all the HIPAA laws. Like I was like going behind the computer. I was like looking for phone numbers because I was like trying to like help my mom. Yeah. And then. Um, and then of course it turns out that the guy like knows knows some comedy writer. They're like we know. <laughs> of course he does. And I was like, he's, okay. a, he's a doctor in Connecticut. Yeah. So that was. Uh, I remember once I was in the hospital and you came and you had my doctor check out your nipple because it was inflamed. <laughs> it, I, you like know I what? was like, I had nipple infection. Well, there you go. It was a real thing. It worked out well. See, I have an infection right now. You have to be proactive. I have a little. I told you I had like a little. I I feel like you know. It's n- I'm not a hypochondriac. I feel like I just know my body really well. Uh-huh. So if anything is off, I know something's wrong. You know? So like today I had like a thing that like, look, Rachel's like, is that a bug bite? And I was like, no, there's something wrong. And I went to the doctor and I told you it was like this like weird inflammation thing that, and now I went antibiotics. Yeah, but no, but like that's all well and good. But like, where was this inflammation? Oh, it was like right by my balls. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so it was very painful. Uh-huh. I was telling you in the elevator... The guy like numbed up that area, and he basically like, pressed his like elbow into my dick. And I was like, okay. And with that, it's a medical thing. <laughs> it's a medical thing. Okay. I mean, dermatologists. Dermatologists. They doctors. They're like chiropractors. They just like to put elbows and dicks. <laughs> That's all they do. Elbows and dicks and Botox and faces. So like, what? So when you're in Connecticut and you're calling the doctor all the time, like, what is this? What is? What were you thinking the whole time? Like, what did you? 
were you trying to like find like a lighter side or were you just well in panic I didn't mode? think there was like any I thought that you know like I said like I thought it was gonna be sort of that like you know metaphor of the house building yeah you know but then when she was in the hotel room it was I mean that was it was in the hotel hospital room it was basically like going by that house and the house was on fire yeah so I was just like and then the contractor says I'm so sorry yeah and then I couldn't really see because every night I was nervous in the morning I'd like wake yeah. up and like she would be in a different room and I was like getting like. You know, I was really hyper. Like, I was, like, trying to be positive and be funny. But I was, like, just, like, drinking a lot of coffee. And, like, I was trying to, like, put, like, on a happy face for her. But I was, like, fully panicked. Yeah. And, like, so tired and so exhausted. And then, like, I remember, then Rachel went home. And it was just, like, it was, the whole thing was, like, really. It's intense. It was very, very intense. Like, looking back on that. Was what was actually was there a moment like when she was doing better that like the tension broke and they were all able to just like either like with Bill Burr just like fucking lose it either laughing or crying or you know more crying in the shower yeah more, more crying in the shower I, mean, I think like right when she like moved rooms and she was like you know walk, like when we we walked a, we did like a lap you know yeah. and once we did that it was like okay she's like she's back to herself she's good she was like you know being funny like it took a while to like get out all the anesthesia out of her system I mean she mm-hmm. was like in there for you know a while she made a bunch of like fake boob jokes you know oh that's fun she was like getting in the um you know she was, she was feeling better but it definitely was like very hard to be like the optimistic person when like things were going wrong yeah it wasn't like it, you know people joke around and my mom like, when she first was telling us and we were, like, trying to be funny about it, we were sort of like, it's like in the Curve Enthusiasm, like, you have the good cancer. And now, like, I made that joke, like, a week ago or something, and she was like, there's no good cancer. Yeah. You know, so, it, and it's true, because you think, like, breast cancer, it's, like, the most curable, you know, she was going to have this surgery and whatever, but it, 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 it was, it just, everything went wrong, you know. Right. So it was. Well, she got to be friends with Melissa Etheridge. She got to be friends with Melissa Etheridge, and now she's super healthy and it's, and it's great. But you know, in the middle of that, it was like, well, this is this is this is not easy. Terrifying. Yeah, and like especially for someone like me who I really haven't had anything like that in my life ever. Mm-hmm. You know, you know. So it was really, it's really hard to like navigate that when you it's can't happening. Pre- you can't prepare thing. yourself for that. No, you can't prepare yourself, and you you think, oh well, like you know, I've. You know, like you, you know, you were you were sick. I was with you so much in the hospital. Like I could, you know, I could deal with that. I was like, you know, I was able to do that. But then it wasn't like your mom. You know, it's like yeah. it's a whole different yeah. situation. Well, like looking back on that, like what what is the the one like lesson, like the one thing that you really learned from that? That like when you you think back on that, like oh, that has changed my life and my perspective in this one palpable way. Well, I think like as like cliche or corny as it sounds I feel like it's like you really just like appreciate you know the relationships you have you know right. I remember telling my mom like I was like crying I was like you're my best friend you know like it's so sad yeah it's adorable but yes so, yeah but like that you you really it really comes to head when like you're in those sort of like not that it was life or death but like you know it's 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 life for like you know pretty bad yeah. so in those moments you're really like oh wow this is really what it's all about like I'm so like I love everyone like I'm you know it's you, you you don't worry about anything else like my you know I guess some mad like my mom was here last week and like she, she it was kind of funny but she like we both walked inside because we're pretty similar and we both left Rachel's car doors wide open for five hours <laughs> and her wall was in the front seat and what? I was like mom close the door and it's like you know that I can't I can't I'm not really mad at her you know like yeah. you know it's, it's one of those things where you kind of really realize it's almost like it's not even like you realize what you have it's like you realize how important 
this person is to you right. when you're in that situation. You always take it for granted. Yeah, once you see somebody as being vulnerable, as being mortal, yeah, it, it, you just have that reminder is like it shouldn't it shouldn't take a reminder. Yeah, but it does. Yeah, and and seeing like your parents, even though you know you're you get to the point where you're older, you know you're an adult and probably like a better adult than them. Mm-hmm. It's still hard to see your parents. Like my dad was just like you know he was it was very hard for him. Yeah, like he was like. It was rough. Like, he was, like, trying to be strong, but you could tell he was just, like, just, like, it was very hard. Right. So, that that was what... Yeah, seeing your dad in a vulnerable place is weird. I remember when I went for my surgery, my dad made all these, uh, uh, like, stickers. Mm-hmm. Not stickers. He just, like, cut out these signs that said, uh, Basilone kicks colitis ass. Mm-hmm. And I forget. He had, like, an acronym, and he was handing them out to everybody. Like, Basilone kicks colitis ass. Basilone kicks colitis ass. And it was just because, like, he doesn't know what to do with vulnerability. He doesn't know what to do with, like, negative energy. So he just wanted to, like, just just power bulldog your way to something. Yeah. That, like, to, to, to make it okay. If yeah. I do this, will it be okay? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's and seeing so your dad in that position, it's like, A, just, like, chill the fuck out. But also, like, it's it's unsettling. Yeah, it's, it's weird. But the, the best thing that ever happened with your dad, ever, uh-huh. and this is, like, a little bit of a side note, but when we were at your bachelor party, uh-huh. and you just got you just started like feeling better you were like you know you were healed yep, your, your yep. face was you, yeah, you were on steroids sure sure you were just like you know like your bachelor steve basil's bachelor party was the best bachelor party i've ever been to because i never laughed that hard in my life yep. ever yep to the point where i thought i was gonna i thought i was gonna i thought i thought your dad was for sure gonna drop dead no yeah he was so drunk and high and i thought he was gonna fall down laughing but i was laughing so hard that i couldn't even like catch my breath but we finally, AJ and I, AJ's the best guy to do this with, we found strippers. Even though we were deep in Big Bear. Yeah, that's why I had it in Big Bear, so there wouldn't be strippers. But we tracked down some fucking coke-addicted heroin. Oh, they were not great. Opium, skinny. They were, they were exactly like when you, if you, you have a, you have a daughter, Dan is a daughter yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if you, when you hold this baby in your arms and you think, I hope nothing bad happens to her, that's what, yeah, that's you, the bad thing that happens. As a father, all you want is your daughter to never become a stripper in Big Bear. Yeah. Or be available to strip in Big Bear. <laughs> yeah, even worse. <laughs> so, they came and this one girl they one girl I think was not attractive but one girl neither one of them well but one was at least kind of besides like her train marks or whatever like her uh-huh. like she was like she was heroin chic yeah she had a lot of it wasn't marks. chic though it was just but, heroin but she you know they basically were like do some stuff to Steve and I remember they were like just like these dirty hookers and they were like you start grinding grinding on you mm-hmm. and then your dad grabs the heroin girl and he goes be careful, he just had surgery. Yeah. And they were like, okay, now we're going to leave. Yeah, it was, it was a great moment for me. I was like bent over and she, it was hitting me because for ladies out there, bachelor parties are just meant to embarrass the bachelor. It's yeah. not it's not fun for the bachelor at all. No. It's fun for everybody else because yeah, you're yeah. watching your friend look like a fucking idiot. Yeah, exactly. But they were like, beating, like whipping me with my own belt and then my dad comes up and I hear him whisper in this woman's ear, he just had major surgery, be very careful. It was the best thing was, you could ever say. It was one of the. It was a. That was a low point for me, and I've had a lot of low points. <laughs> and she's like, "It's okay. I had an abortion in the car." <laughs> yeah, I gotta go throw that out. Um, well, so that's what you learned. Like, just that people aren't important to you, and also that uh, is that a bad lesson? No, I feel like it's not. I think that's a good lesson. Okay, that's yeah. a lesson we have to remind it all the time. Okay, yeah, because I think it's like such a. It's a, it's like an obvious lesson, but you don't really. Well, I was actually talking to Todd. Shall I show some our friend Todd? Yes, hashtag yeah. Final Girls. He, um, remember, he was, you know, 
he lost his dad, so he like was. I was talking to him a lot during that time, and he was saying that like in those moments when everyone's the most vulnerable is like the best time ever to have with your family. Yeah. Weirdly. It's like you never had those kind of like conversations ever. Yeah, because the shit like that annoys you, like your mom leaving the car door open, like it doesn't bother you. And if it does, it's just like something you can yeah. laugh at. You don't get like you get out of your own way. You, like all the ego goes away, and you're just like focused on like this person's great. Yeah, and also, you know, the fact that like my mom in, in a good way, like we said, is sort of like, you know, fuck answer. Like it's not a, it's not a part of me. I'm my own person because like that is so away from her now that like we definitely don't get to that like point again because yeah. it's not like we like reminisce about being in the hospital no you don't want to reminisce about it you know you don't but it's like a weird thing because like even though it's like this awful experience there's like a little thing of at least for me that like there's something that i'm even even though it was terrible like somewhat nostalgic about just because i think it is like it's that vulnerability and you get so close and you appreciate somebody so it's like somehow even though it's this terrible thing you still can kind of look back fondly on it yeah, yeah. even though you don't ever want to go back there it's still somehow like Something, something comfortable about it. Yeah, I don't know. it's a bizarre thing. Maybe I'm just a weirdo. No, no, I think you're not a weirdo. Yeah, that and also, you know, uh, it's amazing that Tiger Woods had to pay his wife anything. <laughs> that's the important thing that we learned. <laughs> that's the lesson. That's the yeah, lesson. lesson. Yeah. Uh, thanks so much for coming on, man. Oh, this is I love this show. I'm yeah. the First guest. First guest. This is gonna be cool. It's gonna be like you know when you go on Mark Barron's thing and you scroll to the first first guest, you're like, wow, that was the first guest. I'm gonna be that yeah. guy. And you maybe the last. <laughs> maybe. Who knows? I mean, I, I will say I, I'm not the best luck with podcasts. I've been trying to get a podcast on the ground for twelve years. <laughs> twelve years? You are well, well ahead of the curve. Man. I know. You I know. Have, but they come out. That. They come out, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, thanks, dude. And um, let's do more of these. All right. Melissa Etheridge, huh? Wow, what a mensch. Is a mensch, is that a thing? Is that is that apply? Is it applicable to ladies as well? Does it just mean a good person or is it specifically a dude? I should ask Dan Levy about that in the future. Anyways, she seems nice. Uh, if you want to follow more about Dan Levy, see what he's up to, you can do that on the Twitter at, at Dan Levy. You can also follow us on the Twitter at terribly underscore funny. If you want to email us and say, yo, you up? You up, girl? Uh, it's at terriblyfunnypodcast at gmail.com. Gmail. Still better than Hotmail. Uh, thanks so much for listening, guys. Really appreciate it. This is a fun little side project, and I hope you like it, too. I'm having fun. Great. Um, thanks so much to Brendan McFadden, to Julia Pott, and to Kingdom Flying Club for doing all the things behind the scenes. And uh, also, thank you to you for being just so fucking handsome. Love you.